Welcome to the Stories She Sings, where we bring messages of biblical women to life through inspired songs. We hope this podcast will be a place of rest, refuge, and refreshing in the presence of God. Good morning. This is Karen Lynn Grant with the Stories She Sings. I'm so happy to be here with you today. And I want to begin this program this morning by reiterating that this program is for the one. There are many people out there who have just experienced a Christmas day, and each one of us has in our own way processed what Christmas means to each one of us. Today, as I focus upon the Savior's life, I want to share with you the the topic that has just come over and over and over again through my mind and into my thoughts and ask each one of you as you listen to this podcast today that you might feel and be able to answer the questions who do you know who might be experiencing loneliness today it might seem like an interesting subject to talk about the day after christmas but i know that each one of us has noticed that this year has been different that this year as we shopped we might have seen different people processing you know the wearing of face masks and and sometimes that was we might have been met with some critical remarks we've also noticed those people that have tried to make jokes and keep a bright spirit but we want to talk today about the experience of of loneliness there was a time in my life many many years ago over 10 20 years ago when i found myself as a young mother uh, living in my grandmother's basement my husband and i had moved there to take care of my grandmother after the passing of my grandfather and i was pregnant and not leaving the house much and living in the basement where there wasn't a lot of light and i want as i go through this process uh, now I live in a home where there's lots of windows and I'm married to a man who loves and adores me. And we have 49 grandchildren between the two of us with one of those being on the way. Life is very different for me today than it was as a young mother. But I'm going to share with you a story, an experience that I had as a young mother and the reason why I wrote the song, Were You a Lonely Man? I will share with you that experience as I prayed on my knees about the feeling of unquenchable loneliness that I felt in my heart at that time. It seemed that I awoke with it each morning, and the only time I was free of that deep, insatiable feeling was when I went to sleep at night. While on my knees, I asked in that prayer, Do you really understand loneliness? Do you really understand how it feels to have an unquenchable pang in your heart when you're surrounded by goodness and many blessings and people that love you? I expressed to the Lord that I didn't understand why I felt this way. And as I was on my knees, the words came to my mind, Karen, I understand loneliness more than anyone. That was the first time I remember being encircled by a song. 
As I knelt there on my knees, lyrics started pouring into my mind. It was the first song I'd written since I was a teenage girl, and the song was called Were You a Lonely Man? I believe now, looking back on that time of my life, that I experienced loneliness to the degree I did so that I might understand the sufferings of others, as well as get a little clearer understanding as to what the Savior might have experienced in mortality. As the words to the song flowed into my mind, I wept as tingles surged over my being. I call them songwriting tingles, and I always know when a song is coming on because those tingles begin to flow right before the lyrics flow. As I knelt beside my bed, I received an answer to my question as a direct flow of pure revelation. After that, the songs began to pour day after day in steady streams, and I called that the gift of living water. Now the loneliness that I had felt began to be quenched by the Spirit of the Lord through the gift of songwriting, and I was remembered of the beatitude, blessed are those who thirst after righteousness, who come unto me. I was filled. Since that time, I have begun to work with countless other women who also know the pangs of loneliness. I've also worked with men who have experienced loneliness in their lives and even little children. I have been privileged and honored to work with those who have been brokenhearted and wounded in, my, wounded in spirit in my work as a massage therapist and emotional clearing specialist. The Spirit of the Lord whispered to me years later when I was on my knees again praying about this unquenchable pain now as a single woman. I told the Lord that morning on my knees, Lord, I cannot bear this feeling, this feeling of loneliness, and I can't explain it because I am surrounded by good people. I'm surrounded by people that I love and people that love me, but as a single woman without a husband and the deep spiritual connection and the deep emotional connectivity, I still, I am again experiencing loneliness. On my knees that morning, the Spirit again whispered to me, the greatest work you will ever do will be the work with human emotion. Now, I didn't know what that meant. I had just finished massage school, and of course, that feels like a gift that you give to the physical body, but it was very impressed upon my mind that the reason that I would work with the physical beingness of a human being was so that there could be a deep tapping into of the hurts and the sorrows within the heart. He also bore witness to me in that moment upon my knees in 2001. Human, I understand human emotion better than anyone. I have experienced greater joys than you have ever known, Karen, and I have experienced deeper sorrows than you will ever know. I remember as I was on my knees, feeling a little chastened that I was asking the Lord to take away the gift of human emotion. Since then, it has always been my desire to bless the brokenhearted, and that is the work that I am being honored to do in my work in Joy Coaching America. I have realized since that time 
that emotion, every single emotion, is a beautiful gift of God and that each emotion has a story to tell. I have learned since that loneliness as well is a gift from God. And if you do not deny it and you bring it to him and do not stuff it and try to squelch it and ignore it and deny it, and you come unto him, he will help you to trace its roots back until you will find that your very own soul is in search of the pure love of Christ. Perhaps you have, as I have, looked for love in many of the wrong places. I've experienced divorce and annulment. I have experienced being a single mother at Christmas time. I have experienced many different feelings as I have searched for love on this planet Earth. And I have learned that in an effort to press forward with a perfect brightness of hope, I have felt impressed to share this journey with others who might be searching for the gift of pure love as well. I have found myself feasting upon the Word of God daily. I have discovered that so much of our insatiable loneliness is just our spirit's way of expressing the groanings which cannot be uttered. And that is a scripture in the New Testament, that we have groanings which cannot be uttered, that God himself only can understand. And that if we will place the affections of our hearts back onto the Lord and to the keeping of the first and greatest commandment, even that number one spiritual priority of loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, might, mind, and strength, we will find ourselves being blessed, being comforted, being renewed in heart and in mind and in spirit. It has been in following the women of the scriptures that I have come to understand that there may be decades and centuries between even two millennia between me and Mary and Martha of Bethany, me and the woman at the well, me and the woman who poured perfumed oil on the Savior's feet, but that we, like unto those women, have deep spiritual and emotional needs, and that we can follow Mary of Bethany's example of kneeling at the Savior's feet and seeking after that good part that the Savior commended her for seeking, and that as we do that, as we turn our hearts to the Lord in the midst of uncertainty and adversity, that we can find that the loneliness is being lifted and being miraculously transformed into peace, even the gift of the peace that passeth understanding. Though life has not been easy for any of us, we are all on a journey here. We are learning how to process human emotion. And I have experienced several marriages And I have gone to the Lord and said, you know, I I really understand the woman at the well because I have experienced a few marriages that have not worked out and that I have had to turn to the Lord to find solace and comfort. I experience each day that I put the Lord in his rightful place at the beginning of my day, a greater spiritual stability and a greater emotional security. I believe that our emotions will experience peace in this life and a fullness of joy, 
even if it is to learn to cherish it in the moment it comes for no explainable reason. One by one, as we connect these moments of peace and joy together by finding comfort in the Savior Jesus Christ and in His love, His pure love, no matter if we are single or married or in a loveless marriage, we will find ourselves being encircled in the arms of His love, first for a moment, then for an hour. Possibly we will learn how to experience his love for a full entire day. Then we will learn how to process his love and experience it for a week and then a month. And then we will experience joy. I pray that as you take this musical journey with me in the stories she sings, that you will keep a sacred journal and pen your own thoughts, feelings, and emotions along the way. As I meet with you each Sunday at noon on Loving Liberty Radio, you will have a chance to maybe uh, take the time to open a journal and, and begin penning the thoughts that come to you as you listen. If you listen to this later and you choose a different time of the day to listen, that's great too. But I hope that you will glimpse into the lives of the women in the scriptures, those women who knew him, loved him, walked with him and talked with him. They loved him with all of their heart, might, mind, and strength. They grew in their ability to trust him, no matter what their circumstances, no matter what their financial conditions, no matter what their emotional losses or their heartbreaks or even their spiritual setbacks. I pray that you might find the joy that each one found as they turned to the Savior, Jesus Christ, for their spiritual and emotional sustenance. I am coming to find that if I will continuously create a divine appointment each and every day, that as I continue feasting upon the word of God and partaking of the fruit which is whiter than all that is white, purer than all that is pure, and most desirable to the soul, that I too can learn how to live by daily revelations. And this has become my joy, to come unto Christ each morning and be filled with his spirit. You may ask yourselves, well, what qualifies Karen for this work? Why does she have a podcast? Why is she sharing her journal entries and her songs? I would invite you to partake of DNC section four and remember that you are called to the work if you have desires. If you desire to speak, to share a message, to invite souls to come unto Christ, to to be filled with brotherly love and sisterly love and a heart full of gentleness and meekness and kindness and humility, that if you are striving to do this work with your eyes single to the glory of God, and that as you love him with all your heart, might, mind, and strength, that you too will be called to do and to live and to share your purpose, calling, and mission. Truly, each song that I have written has brought about one precious miracle in my life. And this has each song, as I have gotten up early in the mornings and gone to meet with the Savior Jesus Christ in my circle of prayer, 
that as the songs poured and flowed into my mind, that each song became a gift of divine connectivity, that I found that that loneliness began to be satiated. And maybe it didn't start by focusing on my marriage or focusing on the fact that I was single at the time, but focusing on coming unto Christ. I pray that you may be blessed with the gift of healing your own broken heart and your own wounded spirit, or that you may be the means and the miraculous means of helping somebody else's heart to heal. I pray that as you make these songs a part of your morning or evening devotions, that you too will be blessed, healed, and loved back into wholeness. Sometimes this path I'm walking seems so lonely. Sometimes it seems like I've no friend but thee. Sometimes I need your outstretched arms around me.
companionship of the Holy Ghost in our lives, it becomes evident that this gift of the Comforter can bless us in crucial times, even during holiday seasons when life is not at its normal. As I ponder the gifts of the Spirit and know that to each one of us is given a a different gift, just like the gifts around the Christmas tree. Our names are written on a package, on a tag, and each one of us receives the gift that we desire most. We can also go to the Lord and ask Him for good gifts. We can covet earnestly the best gifts. We've been told in Scripture that the greatest gift that the Savior and that the Lord Jesus Christ has to offer to each one of us is the gift of eternal life. But we are also taught to covet earnestly the best gifts and that there are gifts, so many gifts unnumbered, that if we could only conceive of the gifts that we might like to ask for, we can have them, we can obtain them through the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's a beautiful quote by Parley P. Pratt, key to the science of theology, in a book of the 10th edition through Deseret Book, published in 1965 on pages 100 and 101. Parley P. Proud explains, an intelligent being in the image of God possesses every organ, attribute, sense, sympathy, 
affection that is possessed by God himself. But these attributes are in embryo and are to be gradually developed. The gift of the Holy Ghost adapts itself to all of these organs or attributes. It quickens all the intellectual faculties, increases, enlarges, expands and purifies all the natural passions and affections, and adapts them by the gift of wisdom to their lawful use. It inspires virtue, kindness, goodness, tenderness, gentleness, and charity. It develops beauty of person, form, and features. It tends to health, vigor, animation, and social feeling. It invigorates all the faculties of the physical and intellectual man. The gift of the Holy Ghost strengthens and gives tone to the nerves. In short, it is, as it were, marrow to the bone, joy to the heart, light to the eyes, music to the ears, and life to the whole being. After pondering this thought, I realized in my own heart the sacred role of the gift of the Holy Ghost is to communicate with each one of us the will of the Father for each one of us, and that each one of us will have a different gift in communication with and through that beautiful spirit. You might have the gift of miracles, or the gift of faith to be healed, or the gift of faith to heal. You might have the gift of giving blessings, admonitions, awareness, revelations, or the ministering of angels. I believe after reading this beautiful quote by Parley P. Pratt, that the Holy Ghost is the member of the Godhood that reveals and manifests gifts of mercy, gifts of the Spirit, the true spiritual gifts, the gifts that we can covet most. We've just finished up a beautiful Christmas day, and each one of us has received maybe one gift, maybe two gifts, maybe an ample armload, an armful of gifts, each according to how our family traditions carry that out for us. But I can honestly tell you that if you are experiencing the gift of loneliness, even after opening the one gift or the many gifts that you received this Christmas, I want to assure you that you can go to the Lord and give him your broken heart and your contrite spirit if you're feeling the gift of loneliness. For I've learned in my life that when I feel that gift, it's a call. It's a call from the Lord to come and understand his heart, the gift of his desire to be closer to us, to reveal more to us, to bring the greater peace that passeth understanding. When the disciples were hurting about the Savior's leaving them, he told them, I will not leave you comfortless. This was mercy at its peak when he promised them the gift of the companionship of the Holy Ghost, which could comfort them in this deep loneliness that they were beginning to feel without the full physical presence of the Savior Jesus Christ. It was because of his great compassion upon all of us 
even those of us who had not yet been born, that he promised that gift of endless companionship and that this gift could be and would be extended to all of us, that none of us should be left comfortless. To me, this is the epitome of mercy, to let us feel his presence with us constantly and to overcome the great gulf of loneliness through being connected at all times to his spirit. There was a time in my life when I wanted to understand his relationship with the women in the scriptures and hence this podcast. I wanted to understand what did Mary of Bethany feel as she sat at the Savior's feet? There was only a few verses in Luke that talked about that. What did the woman at the well feel the day she carried her water pot to Jacob's well to be filled? What did she feel in her heart when he looked at her and said, I have water, living water, to give to you that you will never thirst? What did Mary Magdalene feel as she went to his tomb after having developed and cultivated the most loving friendship, divine friendship with the Savior. As we ponder the lives of the women who knew him, walked with him, talked with him, yes, we know he had a beloved relationship with each one of his male disciples. And and we hear often of these beautiful relationships that he had with his brothers. We love them. For those of you who who've been watching the documentary Chosen, how wonderful the experience that you've had and in feeling him as a, as a mortal man with real emotions and feelings and smiles and laughter and tears. But what of Mary Magdalene? As I pondered her relationship with the Savior, that he would come and that he would visit her, that he would come to her, that he would that he would visit her first in the garden after his resurrection. I wondered of their friendship and I prayed about it. I wanted to know what did Mary Magdalene feel as she reminisced over this divine friendship? What did she feel? What was her heartache? What was her heartbreak? What emotions did she feel? And so I prayed to know so that I could write a song for her and experience those feelings and what that statement means, I will not leave you comfortless. What does that statement mean to each one of us in our hour of loneliness, in our hour of feeling maybe rejected by certain family members or not feeling a part of the group or maybe not getting the gifts that you hoped for, or maybe even giving up hope. As I share the song, I will not leave you comfortless, I ask you to ponder in your hearts, what did she feel? What did this woman feel who had watched him turn water into wine? Not only his mother at the wedding feast, but Mary Magdalene too. What did she feel if she was there on the Sermon on the Mount, When he turned a loaf and two fishes into enough to feed thousands, what did she feel 
when she watched him in quiet agony, knowing that he was going to leave and her not perhaps fully knowing of his sorrow that he knew she would be feeling, the empathy, the kindness, the tenderness of heart and spirit that he knew that these beloved women, his sisters, his divine sisters were going to have to experience after they realized that he would not physically be with them. As you listen to this next song, I ask you to partake of the Spirit, to put yourself in that place of Mary Magdalene, or Peter, or James, or John, one of his disciples, one of those women who knelt at the cross, who missed him, who knew that their hearts were breaking without him. His burdens all alone Chiseling hearts with healing hearts He etched his name in stone He may have seemed a wanderer He often found himself alone Will you also leave me on the path that leads back home? Few friends stood beside him, a rich young man walked away. His heart yearned. Deep down inside For one friend to remain To laugh with him To cry with him To dry each tender tear He whispered Who will be my angel? I whispered Jesus sure that after Mary Magdalene felt the loss of the presence of her Savior, Jesus Christ, that she turned her heart towards yearning to be able to comfort others so that they too might understand the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of the companionship of the Holy Ghost. As I experienced loss in my life, my heart also turned to those who might stand in need of comfort. It became my greatest joy to go and sing at programs at the prison to take the songs of my heart, the songs and the stories of the women in the scriptures, to the prison, to the homeless shelters, to the mental hospital, to the psych ward at U University of Utah. Every opportunity I got, I would go 
and nurture and seek to minister through the gifts of the songs about Jesus to those who might stand in need of comfort. One of my sweetest experiences in singing to those who were poor in spirit came with an opportunity to go to the prison at the point of the mountain. There I was able to work with Bishop Lombardi, and Bishop Lombardi allowed me to come once a month and come and sing to the inmates there. Even though I am a massage therapist and aromatherapist by profession, I couldn't bring those gifts with me to the prison. The only thing that I could bring was my testimony of Christ and the songs of my heart. Month after month, I would go and visit the inmates. I had the opportunity of singing to the men on many occasions, singing to the women on several occasions. And this brought a lot of comfort to me during a time of loneliness in my life when I didn't have a visitation with my children every day. I'd gone through a divorce, and so I had some spare time on my hands, and I needed a way to go and serve and bless others. So every opportunity I had to go and bring comfort, I took one time as I went to the point of the mountain, to the prison there, to visit the men, I entered the chapel. And my particular sermon that day was going to be about the woman at the well. I understood the woman at the well. I had experienced a few divorces and annulments. And I had caught up with her. I was also had been married and divorced at least four times. And so as I went to speak to these men, and I shared with them that I too had experienced hurt and heartache and suffering, but that it was my desire to nurture their spirits with song, I sing my songs about the women, the woman at the well. After the program was over, nearing the time when the bell would ring and the men would need to be back in their cells, one of the men at the back of the room in an audience of about 92, he stood up and he said, what can we do for you? You have touched our hearts so much. As I looked across this audience, I realized that their countenances had changed. As I had walked into the room, their arms had been folded tightly across their chests. I could see anger in their faces and hurt and frustration. And, and I really wondered if the Holy Ghost, if the Spirit of the Lord would please bless their hearts to be softened. And by the end of that hour, their hearts indeed had been softened. And I felt as though I were looking out into the audience, into a sea of faces of little boys whose faces now were vulnerable. Their eyes were softened. And so as this man stood there at the back of the room, at the back of the chapel and said, can you, can we do something for you? I thought for a minute, uttered a quick prayer in my mind, Lord, what can these men do for me? And instantly the thought came to my mind, have them sing for you. I said to the man, you know, I've never had a chorus of men sing to me before. Would you all sing me a song before you leave? 
And so he posed the question to the other men. And like I said, there were about 92 in the audience. He posed the question, what song do we all know? One man said, hey, we could sing Row, Row Your Boat Ashore, Michael, Row Your Boat Ashore. Another man said, well, we could sing another song that they thought that everybody would know. And then came an answer. Hey, we could sing her, I am a child of God. As those men began to sing, it was as if I heard a chorus of angels. And as they began to file up to me to shake my hand and then to move out of the room back to their cells, my heart broke and the tears began to flow as one by one they came and clasped my hands and whispered words to me like, I need these lullabies for my truck when I get out of here. Another man whispered, I I need these songs for my mother. I've put her through so much. As I listened to this chorus of male voices singing, I am a child of God, in two-part harmony, my heart broke as I realized that there is a place in every single one of us who have experienced the depths of loneliness, whether we are saint or sinner, and that all of us really have something to be sorry for, have something to go to the Lord about that may be holding us back in our progression or blocking our joy. But these men, as they walked past me in a single file line, Truly, I could see into their eyes with their tears streaming their cheeks that there was still hope. There was hope in the Savior, Jesus Christ, and in the gifts of the Spirit, in the gift of His pure and perfect love that loves each and every one of us so much. I marvel upon the sweet opportunities that I've had before COVID, to be able to go into the community and sing to those who are poor in spirit. On one such occasion, my dear friend Ray Sanford said that he would take me to follow up on an invitation to go to Lake Havasu, Arizona. I had lost my voice and I could not sing a note. And yet, uh, a church there in Lake Havasu had invited me to come and to sing at their sacrament meeting, and I could hardly wait to go. We traveled the miles, Ray and I, with my dear friend Gayla, and as we traveled, I couldn't speak a word. I think I received several priesthood blessings along the way. And on Sunday morning, I woke up with absolutely no voice at all. I could barely muster a whisper. And so determined that I had not traveled 800 miles in vain, we took the singing machine and we left in our car to go to the church. Ray walked in before me and set the singing machine up on a table next to the podium, next to the microphone. I looked at him and I said, Ray, and I whispered to him, that I could only hope and pray that the Spirit of the Lord would come through so that I could bring 
the gift to the people that I desired to give to them that morning, which was an invitation to come unto Christ through the song, He is my Savior too. Well, I stood up to sing, and we pushed play on the recording, and the song began to play, and I mustered the words. And as I began to sing, an immediate miracle began to transpire in my body. Again, from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, I felt that sweet ripple of electrical tingles that went through my hands and fingertips, and the song began to soar out of my vocal cords. I doubt that the people really understood what a miracle this was for my voice to return as if on cue. But there were people in the audience and I could see some dabbing their eyes with their Kleenexes and others laughing with joy that the prayer had been answered. Well, in that audience, I saw a man with long hair wearing shorts and a tank top. And he was just throwing his arm up into the air like he was at a football game, so excited, like he was cheering me on to the victory, and his face was full of joy. When the song ended, my voice trailed back into a complete whisper, and after the service was over, I made my way to this man. I asked him his name, and he told me his name. He said, my name is Steve. And this morning, I was out walking my dog this Sunday morning in my flip-flops and my tank top and my shorts. And he said, I haven't been to church in years. I was excommunicated years ago, and I've never been back. He said, but this morning, as I walked past the church with my dog, the words came to my mind, Steve, if you will go to church today, you will behold a miracle. He said, as I sat in that audience and it was explained that you had lost your voice and that you had received several priesthood blessings so that it could come back so that you could sing the song that you came to sing to us today. I held my breath. And when you opened your mouth to sing and a whisper came out and then it turned into full throttle, my heart lit up and my spirit soared because I knew that the miracle of hearing your voice in full throttle was definitely the miracle that the Savior wanted me to hear and behold today. I can promise you that there are people out there who may be lonelier than you. There are people out there who need to hear your testimony, who need to hear your witness, who need you to rise up in your strength and your courage and your conviction that he is our Savior too. I remember years ago when I had been a single mother and there had been a period of time where I stopped going to church because every time I went, I ended up with a mascara stained face. As they would sing, families can be together forever, I would cry and my fresh mascara would stream in black torrents down my cheeks. And so I told the Lord, it's a little painful to go, 
because this is just a reminder of what I don't have. And when I go to church, I feel lonelier. Well, that was interrupted by the Lord when one day a call came to me and I was asked to go speak and sing to the regional singles up in um, up north, up in Ogden. And so I agreed that I would go. As I got up to be a part of that program, I shared that I had very much missed the companionship of the Holy Ghost and that I had longed for it and that through my divorce, I had experienced some great sorrow in not having my children with me every day as I was accustomed to. And after singing and speaking to this audience and letting them know that I know how they feel and that I could identify with their losses, a woman from the back of the room came up to me. She identified herself and said, I give you permission to tell my story. She said, when I was a young girl growing up, I grew up in a home where my father was a bishop and my mother was a Relief Society president, and our family was full of service. And we had family home evenings, and we read the scriptures together. We had blessings on the food, and it was just a part of our daily lives. But when I got married, my husband didn't want any part of it, and slowly he slunk away from scripture study, family prayers, family home evening, and I felt very much alone. Eventually, we got divorced, and then I really hit rock bottom, she said. She said, I went on and and to leave the church and to leave the gospel that I loved because I thought, you know, if I did all those things and tried to have family prayer and scripture study and do all the things that I had been taught as a child to do and it didn't work, then maybe I should try the other way. And so she said, I went on to do some things that I was not proud of. And she said, eventually it led to my excommunication from the church. She said, well, I had an interview with my stake president. And at that time, I went to him and I confessed the things that I had done that were not in accordance with gospel standard. She said it was a very, very difficult time, and though the state president was filled with love, he gave me the gift of excommunication so that I could take the time I needed to develop and reconnect with the Savior. She said as I went home from that experience, she said I I lay down on my bed and I went to sleep exhausted. She said as I went to sleep, I had a dream. And in this dream, I saw many, many people holding to the rod of iron, holding to the word of God, and laughing as they pressed their way towards the tree of life to partake of the fruit. She said, but I had slunken into this deep pit of muddy, oozy, black, tarry substance. And I was deeply entrenched in this deep abyss. She said, in my dream, I felt myself trying to pull myself up the walls of this dark, oozy pit, only to sink deeper into despair. She said, I heard my voice calling out upon the name of the Lord, 
the name of the Savior. And when I looked up, I saw him. He was laying on his stomach in his white robes, and there was mud in his fingertips as though he had crawled to the place I was, and his beard had mud in it. And he gazed down at me with a most compassionate look and said to me, Patricia, I am the only way out of this dark abyss. She looked at me and she said, Karen, even though I had grown up with my father being the bishop and my mother being the Relief Society president, I had never gained a testimony for myself that he is my savior too. As she spoke those words to me, those songwriting tingles began to descend from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. And I looked at her and I said, Patricia, one day I will write a song called He is My Savior Too. Can I have your card? And when I write that song, I promise that I will find you and sing that song to you. Years later, during my own time of discouragement and trial, I awoke with that song as though it were a gift on my pillowcase. And I got up and I wrote the verses to He Is My Savior Too. I went to check my wallet and there was her card neatly nestled into the folds of my wallet. I called her immediately and I said, Patricia, I've got your song. She said to me, Karen, I'm in charge of another regional event up in Ogden. Will you come and sing and tell the story? Can I tell my part of the story? Will you tell your part of the story? Will you sing this song, He is My Savior Too, to the audience there of all of these singles who will all understand in their very own right, in their very own way, who also need to be reminded that they are not alone and that He is their Savior too. And so I traveled to Ogden, and Patricia bore her testimony of the trial in her life when she had left the church, when she had left the standards of the church, when she had lost for a period of time her way, and how she had been brought back. And now she was holding a calling where she was including all of the singles and had to prepare meetings like this one called Firesides, and she had asked me to speak. She then invited me to come up to the microphone and I shared my story of my little girl dreams to have a happy family and to have a beautiful experience in marriage only to experience divorce a few times and to begin to understand the story of the woman at the well. Today, I would like to share with you the story of the song, excuse me, the song, He is My Savior Too. So that if there are any of you who are out there who might be listening, who are feeling lonely for the Spirit of the Lord, that you will be touched and filled and healed by this song, that you may know that He is your Savior too. I thought His love belong to you I thought that you were the one he died for I never knew I did not understand
the mercy in his hands he offers to me too I knew his love was large enough to encircle you and cover your weakness he of your sin was paid but did I didn't believe I could receive the gift he gave is he my savior too will he encircle me lift my eyes to see what I can be life 